1: Justin, don't you love having a clean set of balls? Do we mean footballs? No, I mean my testicles. Justin, when I used to trim Little Ryan, it was a risky job. My shaver would often cut me, and so the whole experience was rather unpleasant. Is it similar for you? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's
0: usually quite uncomfortable.
1: Well, it doesn't have to be this way, because Manscaped have now launched in the UK. They are the Ball Shaving Specialists. I've had a go on one of their trimmers, and it is a dream. It's designed specifically with your balls in mind. That means less accidents and a much smoother shave. Also, it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower and it's got an LED light so you can see what you're doing. Justin, let me tell you, it's a life changer.
0: That sounds amazing. Where can I get one?
1: I'm glad you asked. Go to manscaped.com and because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 20% off plus free shipping if you use the code Tier. That's one word. So that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SECONDTIER. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Second Tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Barnsley to my New York. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. Justin, how's it going?
0: It's good, it's good. It's really good, Lovely. you know. Lovely. Football's, it's the international break, it's not ideal.
1: Now, it's not ideal, but we're still here to provide the content for our lovely, lovely listeners. Now, this was meant to be a Q&A episode, but we've still got plenty to talk about, haven't we, Justin? Because, as usual with the Championship, there's never a dull week, and it's especially the case this week. Uh, even though it is the international break, that is usually the time for change, some might say, when it comes to the managerial situations. And we've had two managers drop out. We'll start off with one where we've seen a manager leave and a manager also come in and it's not a surprising one Justin Sabi Lamushi has left Nottingham Forest not one we were particularly surprised about fair to say
0: definitely not it was well it's been how many games or weeks coming since probably probably since um, before the Swansea game perhaps you know there, there were calls for Lamushi to well drastic change uh, you'd say and then after you know season came and went three year contracts limouch's own staff come in you thought it's a new start for him but it didn't work out at all and obviously it's been terrible since the opening day for Forrest. it's not got better it got marginally better against Bristol city but they still lost yeah that's
1: that's true and the thing is if you had to pick a manager who you thought would be the favourite to have been sacked at the start of the season. You would have gone with Lamouchi just because of that hangover from last season and the potential of that carrying over into this season. And it has happened. It's worth pointing out as well, Forrest have spent a lot of money. So... He had to produce results, and it's not happened. Four straight losses, and they've looked pretty torrid in the first three games, especially. The last one, they did look a bit better, but still not putting away chances. And that's ultimately what's cost Lamushi. The style of play didn't help either, because Forrest fans were a bit sick of that as well, weren't they?
0: Mm. Yeah, the, the principles really were to be defensive, be structured. And for two-thirds of the season, it worked for Lamushi and Forrest. But as soon as Forrest lost that edge to be... Good defensively and organised, there was no coming back from it really. They, as I say, they lost that defensive edge. They weren't very good attacking, um, and it just it just got worse and worse and worse. You know, you've got to be strong defensively, and over the last four games, especially in the Championship for Forest, they've looked disorganised, they've looked a, a shell of themselves like they were probably this time last year.
1: Mm. It'd be very interesting to know where it's all gone wrong for Lamushi because at one point they were flying weren't they and it it all seemed to go wrong after that lead result Derby fans like to think it was after uh, <laughs> the draw to them but it seems like the lead result where they won uh, was the point where it all seemed to start going wrong because after that I haven't got it in front of me but they only won a handful of games mm-hmm. and that ultimately led to them falling out the playoffs which is shocking considering how good a season they had last season. Uh, what do you think Lamushi's legacy will be at Nottingham Forest?
0: <laughs> oh, that's really hard to answer because they didn't they didn't finish in the playoffs, so you can't really say. Well, you know, it's their first you know near miss of promotion since however long ago it was for Forest. His legacy perhaps is giving Forest fans something to cheer about for two thirds of the season. You know, it was probably the happiest Forest fans have been. Since the likes of Billy Davis was in charge, that's really the only thing I can I can and I can lean towards getting the best out of Matty Cash as well. You know, however, however many managers have come and gone, and none of them really have settled Matty Cash anywhere. And they, you know, Lamucci turned him into the league's best right back and got a good fee for him. So that's that's probably another one to, to be to be fair to Lamucci. But other than giving Forest fans something something to shout about for a change, there's not much really.
1: I think at the moment everything's still a bit sour, isn't it? Because of how everything's gone. But I think in maybe a couple of years' time, a few years' time, Forest fans will look back and think, um, "Sabi Lamushi was the man who took Forest from what was a side who were fighting relegation for the past few seasons before he yeah. came in, and then he's come in and turned it around." And as you say, he. Pretty much came closest to getting Forest up since Billy Davis did, and that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, as you say, he didn't finish in the playoffs, so it's he didn't really have much to show for it. But he did take Forest in the right direction. He's left them in a better place than when he's left. Does that make sense?
0: Results wise, yeah. I don't, I don't know about squad size or anything like that. That's a bit. That's still a worry for me. But well, squad got, size got down yeah. to Lamushi. Yeah, but squad size could- is.
1: Sorry, it is a bit of a mess. Mm. It very seems very much seems to be the uh, throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Really, with the the playing squad at the moment, there isn't it? But yeah. just uh, finally on Lamushi, I think what you said about Matty Cash is definitely true. Finding the best out of him, I think Joe Wall as well is yeah. another case of someone who has got a lot better. Under Lamusi, it's the case <clears throat> with a couple of players, really. Um, but the style of play is obviously the thing that Forest fans will look back on in a few years' time and go, oh, "I did not enjoy that bit." But th- there's plenty of positives from the Lamushi era.
0: Go on. It could be a springboard as well, is what, is what yeah. we're saying.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's set the foundations for the man who's come in. And that man, Justin, is Chris Houghton. Chris Mm -hmm. Bloody Houghton. Now, if you cast your minds back, listeners, to at the start of the season when Bristol City were linked with Chris Houghton, we were saying plenty of positive things about him. Justin, has that changed now he's gone to Nottingham Forest?
0: You do do raise your eyebrows because you think, okay, it it seems a very unsettled place, Forest. But you know you can think the same back to to brighton when he took over from sammy huppe that 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 team was fighting relegation for example in a much worse state than perhaps forest are now and look what he did with them he turned them around and now they you know they're in a they're in a very good position in the premier league uh, in the backroom you know behind the scenes they're very well structured and that was all i wouldn't say it's all down to chris Hutton, but a lot of it was down to what was happening on the pitch and you know he got brighton to that to that that position um, to to be able to compete in the Premier League. Um, And can it be done with Forrest? They've got the backing. They've got the quality in the squad. I don't see why not. It's a good appointment.
1: I think it's a brilliant appointment. I think this is the man who will finally get Forrest to the Premier League. Not sure if it's going to happen (laughs) this season or next season, but I think it will happen eventually because Chris Houghton there aren't too many managers better than him at this level. He's arguably even the best manager at this level. When you talk of getting promote, clubs promoted, Norwich, Brighton, as you say, Newcastle. Um, actually, I'm not sure he was at Norwich when he no, was promoted. Norwich. No, <laughs> cancel that one off the script. But uh, the other two, he he's done a fantastic job. And I think I'm right in saying he's got the most points per game out of any championship manager who's managed at least 100 games. His record is phenomenal at this level. And sure, the there's a lot of um, players in the squad at the moment. The vibe around the place isn't great, but Chris Hutton can change that. He is a brilliant, brilliant manager and a top guy as well. I'm very confident that we will see Forrest in the Premier League in a couple of seasons' time at the, at the, at the latest with Chris Hutton in charge.
0: Definitely, I think th- that's the thing. That's the key thing is you've got to give Chris Hutton time and patience because it took him, it took him uh, about eighteen months to get that Brighton side, the the way they were because they were they were unstoppable in the I think it was the sixteen, no, the season, and um, they were unstoppable. And it, obviously the the season before, then they finished just outside the automatics. Um, they were his two, uh, they were two full seasons. You know, he's he's a manager that. When you give him a full season in charge, I know he's only had four games, but you give you give him a full season in charge, he will deliver at least the playoffs. Mm. And
1: this is a very talented Forest squad as well, very talented, and they, all they need is the right manager in charge. Chris Houghton is the right manager, and as you say, he has got to be given time. Forest haven't done that with plenty of managers over the past few seasons. I think saw a tweet the other day saying Forest have had a new manager every calendar year which is <laughs> ridiculous. But if they do give Chris Hughton time to really work his magic, it will pay dividends, I can assure any Forest fan who's listening. Let's go to the other manager who has left Justin. That's Gerhard Struber. Now, this has been coming over the past few weeks. He's left the club to go to New York Red Bulls. He's left Barnsley to go to New York Red Bulls. We spoke about it. Quite in depth on Sunday's episode, so I don't want to spend too much time chatting about it here. But it's disappointing, isn't it, that he isn't going to be finishing the job that he had at a that he's done so far at Barnsley.
0: Uh, yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's it's frustrating from a neutral perspective because you looked at what he did with that side. They'd won one game up until he came in. I think last October, November time. Which is obviously quite a large. It's pretty much a third of the season, and to to be able to, okay, they they avoided relegation because Wigan were good points, but he turned that team into a well-oiled, efficient. You know, if you, you know, the stereotype of um, sort of that type of football. You know, it was a well-oiled, organized team with with the ability to play three at the back, four at the back, three midfield, three up front. You know tactically they were switched on style of play they were they were flexible this this really was a good side under a very very good manager and it's again as I say from a neutral it's really frustrating to see him leave England let alone the championship
1: yeah definitely true the uh, Struber train has departed the station yeah. but it's gone the wrong way um <laughs> it's It is disappointing because, as you say, he managed to take a Barnsley side that was leaking goals profusely and has turned them into a side that was well-drilled defensively. That Mm -hmm. maybe affected the goal-scoring side of things, but they were still ticking over in terms of going forwards. And then this season seems to have been completely... um, thrown off course by mm-hmm. this constant speculation about him potentially leaving the club whether Struber had was affected in his head as well who knows it's frustrating from a Barnsley perspective the question is now what happens next with Barnsley I've seen a few managers linked Eddie Howe was the favourite the other day can't see what? that happening <laughs> yeah, yeah what was my uh was my thought as well but where do you think Barnsley will go from here? Not necessarily with who's going to replace him, but over the course of this season, what what where do you think they'll be in terms of league position?
0: Oh, well, it took him too long, I think, to replace Daniel Stendhal last season. Um, Adam Murray was in charge and the results were mixed. They didn't win any games, I don't think. The results were very mixed. Um, so I think for Barnsley, it's a case of they've got to keep their heads above water for as long as they can until a new manager comes in, and you hope this new manager that comes in does follow the same mould as Stendel and uh, Struber in the sense that it's you know it's highly highly intense, efficient pressing style of football. Um, because if you, uh, I imagine, if you you know go off the tracks some, somewhat and go for a different style of play it's going to take a long time for that team to, to get accustomed to it so to lose a manager at this stage in, in the season after a pre-season it's not, it's not going to be easy for, for Barnsley to get out of a potential relegation fight
1: The thing is Barnsley have gone through two foreign managers over the past couple of years and it looks like considering the trends they've been going with it looks like they'll go abroad again the thing is, with that, this manager who they get in is going to have to adapt very quickly to the championship. And it's game after game after game this season because <laughs> of what happened, obviously, with COVID and the delay to last season. So that's going to be very tricky. The way I see it, Barnsley, if I had to do my league table again, I'd be thinking Barnsley would probably be bottom three, maybe just on the edge of it, because... Mm-hmm. This squad has lost a couple of players as well, with Struber leaving. It's upheaval at the club. It's not been a good start. This new manager has got one hell of a job on his hands, and it's going to be so, so tricky for whoever comes in at the end of the day. Uh, Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll go through the rest of the news from this week, a few transfers as well, and then we'll do the Q&A. Stay tuned. It's a little known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk. In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of Classic Football Shirts here because they offer you Classic Football Shirts at a great price and it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it and I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Right, the rest of the news from this week, Justin. We'll just rattle through a few of these. Blackburn midfielder Bradley Johnson has won Player of the Month for September. Is that deserved in your
0: view? Absolutely. I, I People criminally underrate Bradley Johnson at the peril. I, I, I absolutely adore him. Um, and aside from that, yeah, he has had a good month as well.
1: Mm. And he's got one hell of a left foot on immensity. On, on he's mm. like a power driver at times. Reading manager Velko Panovich has won manager of the month. <laughs> Not surprising because he has won 4-4. Four, four, and I, I know what you're going to say, Justin, but yeah, yeah. At, at the end of the day, you can't take four wins out of four. You can't take that away from him. So full credit, he is deserving of manager of the month. All I'm saying is, I'm not expecting it to last. Justice Silver <laughs> has signed a new four-year deal at Brentford.
0: Good news for Brentford. big news for Brentford. You know, he, he um, well, he scored this week in the, for the under-21s. I believe they were terrible against Andorra, but <laughs> we said it. We said a lot about him last season. Physically, he's there. He's ready-made for the Premier League, um, and obviously, technically, his games improved drastically over the last 18 months. So I can't wait to see more of him, and I'm sure Brentford, Brentford can't either.
1: No, I think it's so important that they tied him down to a new deal. He is almost the complete midfielder for me, Justin. He's mm-hmm. still a young lad as well. I think he's got the potential to play for England. Definitely, he is massive. He's strong, he's quick, he's brilliant on the ball at dribbling, passing, his vision superb and of course he can shoot as well as we've seen plenty of times. Well. The only thing I'd hold against him is his consistency because he did drop off the ball uh, especially in the latter part of last season but all he needs is a manager to really stop that from happening and at the end of the day he's still the young lad so it will be ironed out of his game and... Eventually, we will see him in the Premier League. I'm sure of that. He's a quality player. And as I say, I think he could play at international level at some point. Right, let's move on, Justin. There's been a lot of talk this week uh, about B-teams in the EFL again. It's after Man City's chief exec, Farron Soriano, said the following, and I quote, The challenges of developing players in England where B-teams are not allowed, we have a development gap of boys that are 17 or 18. They don't find the right place to develop and, for example, they are taken from us by the German teams who tried to sell them back to us for a price which is 10 times what they paid. Um,
0: what do you make of this, Justin? What do I make of this, Ryan? Are you ready? Go for it. <clears throat> How out of touch are you with the EFL, Mr Soriano? Let, let's be honest here. First thing I'm going to point out is you take youngsters from teams that are... We'll probably develop these throughout their, their age groups and into the first team. Um, two examples are obviously Jane Santro and Rabbi Matando. Mm-hmm. Matando came from Cardiff. Uh, I can't remember where Sandra came from, but they were he was purchased Watford. from a club in Watford, yep. It was no. okay, Matando is the best example. It was purchased from Cardiff for a couple hundred thousand and then sold to Schalke for £11 pounds. They made a profit on that young player, whereas Cardiff haven't seen as much as they probably would have had he'd stayed with them into their first team. Mm-hmm. And then this 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 gap of 17, 18 year olds stopped charging. League 1 and 2 clubs and Championship clubs excessive amounts on their salaries and loan fees and let them get experience. Worked for Harry Kane. Well, you look at the England team this weekend, or this week, sorry, the amount of EFL experience they've had, that's from uh, loan spells. Harry Kane, again, is the the, the big point here. Leighton Orient, Spurs, Norwich, uh, sorry, Leicester City, Norwich. Played for all of those teams in the the EFL. Don't... (laughs) Again, it's it's really hard not to get really passionate about this, but he's, he's massively wrong. B-teams won't work in, in England. Stop charging excessive amounts for loans. Stop signing players um, for ridiculously low prices and selling them on yourselves. You're a hypocrite. Yeah, massive hypocrite.
1: The, it's worth pointing out, the, the obvious thing against B-teams is how soulless the games will be. Imagine, I don't know, Derby, for example, playing against Man City B. How would hmm. that even work? I, 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 it's just ridiculous and should not be, even be considered. But hmm. as, you, as you've as you said with the developing side of things, no other country in the world has second tiers, third tiers, fourth tiers as strong as the EFL in England. You look at the England squad at the moment, as you said, 24 of the 30 players in there have played in the Football League. That's an astounding number and no other country in the world Comes close to that. Having a football league as strong as it is here is one of this country's greatest strengths. And it's because young talent in the Premier League, they don't get a chance. So they filter down to the football league. You you look at Josh DeSilvers, for example, who we were just talking about. He was released by Arsenal, drops down to the Championship, and he's allowed to flourish into a player who I think will play for England one day. For me, the Championship, in terms of overall quality, is in the top 10 leagues in the world. And that's great because it means these young players can go out on loan and get experience at a high level. And all that Ferran Soriano wants to do is just maintain this grip on English football that the top teams have. Just piss off mate. honestly. (laughs) It benefits no one apart from the sides right at the top. How on earth would it benefit a Leighton Orient or a crew Alexandra? I'm just picking football league teams off my head. There (laughs) is no benefit to them whatsoever. And it's astonishing that he's come out and said this, especially when he is a hypocrite himself.
0: It's it's a new level of being oblivious to what's below you. Oh, definitely. It's like it's like the highest sort of I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. You know, uh, being so far up your own ass, basically, you can't you can't see the other side.
1: Yeah, it's it's B1. a bit. It's pompous, really, at the end of the day. Exactly.
0: That's the word. Yes. That's the
1: word I thought of it for you. Um, let's go to some transfers, Justin. Not that much actually happening, considering it's the final week of the transfer window. I think deadline day could be a bit busy for quite a few clubs. Um, yeah. We'll start off with Ben Godfrey. He's left Norwich to go to Everton. Um, a lot of money. And seems like it's a good move for all clubs. Obviously, Norwich lose out on a very, very good centre-half at this level, but £25 million, you can't really argue with that, can you? Um, let's talk QPR, because they've signed Albert Adoma and Chris Willock. What's your thoughts on that, Justin?
0: I'm a, a big fan of both of those signs. Albert Adoma has shown that he is capable still at this level. Didn't get much game time last season at Forest, but showed, again, his quality for, for Cardiff in Spell's. And certainly as a free transfer and a backup, it's a good option. And Chris Willock, um, we saw again, we saw for Huddersfield, sorry, um, especially against West Brom, how the quality he does possess, especially his dribbling ability, and his, you know, the goal he scored against West Brom, you know, was incredibly, um, incredibly brave. Uh, so for me, two really good signings, and they're using that. Um, Ebrayer's using money really, really well, and they, they needed a bit more out wide, and they've they've got two very good players.
1: I think Adoma's is a good signing. I think it's it's solid. If anything, I don't think his wages mm-hmm. will be as big as they were at Forest. That was one thing I said because if you cast your minds back to when Albert Adoma signed Forest uh, last year, I didn't think it was a good signing then, just because I thought he was getting on a bit. He was he didn't really produce too much for Villa the season before, and his wages were quite high. But now I think his wages won't be as much at QPR. He's a, Q- he's a QPR fan as well, it's worth pointing out. So he's going to run his socks off, as we all know. <laughs> he uh, usually does in a, it, on the pitch. Uh, Chris Willock, yeah, why not? Good signing. He showed signs of class at Huddersfield last season. It'd be impre- it'll be interesting to see if he manages to get some consistency into his game. Because if he does, then he could be a very, very handy signing. He's always been someone who's very well thought of amongst um you know coaches and what have you so let's see if he's uh capable of stepping up to this level this one completely passed me by justin stoke defender bruno Martins zindi has gone on loan to az altmar uh which i was surprised by um, because he has been playing quite a lot for stoke so he's hmm. now gone which is interesting but there you go uh, hmm. tim closer has left norwich to go on loan to basel uh, not too surprising there although Norwich are a bit short on centre-halves at the moment which is a concern amongst the Norwich fan base but one to keep an eye on Danny Welbeck has left Watford after his contract was terminated Gerard Delafeu has also left to go to Udinese on loan just quickly on Danny Welbeck do you think he'd go to a championship club because I can't see no. him going to a Premier League club
0: no I think he'll go to a Premier League club really this this stinks of West Ham offering a four year deal 100 grand a week doesn't it <laughs>
1: Now like you say That does sound like It could very well happen I I just can't see Why a Premier League club Would take a punt on him Because he has had His injury problems as well And his wages won't be cheap Maybe he might go abroad Actually
0: Yeah true But those last few games For Watford he, he He looked really sharp again Well, he's
1: he's a decent player, isn't he? It's just the injury problems which have just constantly dogged him throughout his career. Uh, Reading have brought in Tomas Estevez on loan from Porto. And Forrest have signed Cafu, not that one, on loan from Olympiacos. Let's go to the Q&A, Justin. So, I've picked out 10 questions. In in, in truth, um, and listeners, don't be disappointed at this. A lot of the questions were terrible. Uh, (laughs) Justin, 50% of the questions were Say a Swansea fan, for example, saying, what do you think of Swansea this season? What are your thoughts on Stoke? It's like we, we talk about that every single week. <laughs> Why do you want... I don't know. You could ask us anything and you just ask us about how your team is doing, honestly. Come on, guys. Uh, we'll start off with this question. This is the Championship Express podcast, which is a podcast focused on the fancy football aspect of the championship. If you haven't listened, go ahead and give it a go. They ask, how did... Me and Justin meet. And how did the <laughs> podcast come about? I'm, I'm glad you asked uh, Championship Express podcast. So picture the scene here. I'm playing on a field with all my buddies, playing a nice little game of soccer. And then suddenly this fat, boring guy comes over and says, hey. could I be your friend, please? And then I was like, um, OK, I suppose so. And it's just basically gone from there. Is that how you remember it, Justin?
0: No, I can't remember that. What? <laughs> I know I had a bit of baby. I know I had a bit of baby fat, but I wasn't fat. I don't You're know, certainly making up for it now. But
1: <laughs> whoa, I've been, doing, I've been, mate. During lockdown, I've been making the most of the gym.
0: Okay, that's fair. But you know, this person asks us how how we met. But I, I generally can't remember it. We've no, been I friends can't. since. what? Well, no, friends. For, we, we know each other. We've we've known each other for. Over twenty-three years, I think the first memory I have of you is you falling over that side and breaking your arm. So, yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for bringing that up. That, 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 that's that's effectively we've been stuck to each other since then. It's worth pointing
1: out, dear listener, that Justin laughed when that happened, not realising yes. how serious an issue it was. And um, I'll laugh again.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I don't really remember this meeting either. I just remember us being at school together. It just kind of went from there, really, didn't it? Um, mm. How did the podcast come about, though? It just kind of happened, didn't it? We said, yeah. we really wish there was a championship podcast. Yeah, it was something that we'd been trying to do for the years, but never actually really got on with and doing it. And then just kind of happened, didn't it? And here we are now, flourishing, some might say. Um, mm. But yeah, that, that's how the podcast came about. We decided one day that we'd actually do it, a championship podcast. We thought, go ahead, why not? And I encourage anyone who's listening to this to do so as well, because it's great fun. Charlie from the QPR YouTube channel, Talking Rangers asks, would you ever want to see VAR in the championship? Now, for any listeners who have been listening to us since the very start, I think in our first Q&A, we had a question about VAR in the championship. And I've included this question, Justin, because my mind constantly changes on VAR, constantly. What is your current opinion on VAR in the championship?
0: My my opinion's never changed. I think you can listen to every episode for the last however long we've been doing the podcast well, sorry however long over the past year and a bit we've been doing the podcast. I've always been for VAR, I'm still for VAR. The issue isn't VAR, the issue is gaps in the rules, issues with the rules, interpretations of the rules. The handball for the last few weeks has been one of the key talking mm. points, but that's not VAR's fault, that's gaps in the law. Um offside gap in the law. You know, the issue isn't VAR, it's it's essentially the rules. So I'm for VAR, still for VAR, will always be for VAR because the referees at Championship level, they need help.
1: <laughs> the, I'm not going to comment on the standard of refereeing <laughs> at this level. It's questionable to say the very least. But VAR in the Championship, at the moment, I would say no. Just because... It It is kind of to do with the rules, but at the same time, I think it's the rules around a VAR. For example, how long it takes to make decisions. No, no, that I could, don't, no. no because the, the rules, the, the, how long it takes to make decisions is the major turnoff for me when it comes to VAR. Just because when... Right. Say, for example, there's an off, offside decision. Yep. And the idea with VAR is it's meant to make... It's meant to correct... Uh, clear and obvious decisions if it takes three or four minutes to make a decision on whether something's off site it's clearly not clear and obvious is it so just move on I in my in my if I was in charge of the FA right now I would make sure that VAR was very much a 30 second minute Deadline for that decision to be made just so the game can get on and just crack on with it because it takes way too long to make a decision but the concept of VAR I'm kind of for I suppose let's move on Luke asks on paper do Forest have the best team in the championship? Thoughts Justin?
0: They have the biggest team in the championship I don't (laughs) don't think think anyone's debating that (laughs) I don't think they have the best I think you look at the striker situation for example Lewis Graben and Lyle Taylor are very very similar forwards they don't have, um, you know, a target man. They don't have much variation up top. You look out wide: Joe Lolly, Luke Freeman. Um, there, there isn't much depth in in certain areas. However, CDM, there's oh, there's yeah. another debate there. They're very very good in that in that in that area. Um, I don't think they have the best team in the championship. They don't. They certainly have the deepest. But you know, let's see what Chris Hugh can do with what he's got.
1: I would say they're up there. I would they're say. There, yeah. I'd say. Brentford, probably top for me. I I think if there was a sweepstake on what I was going to say, everyone would have said Brentford. Um, I, yeah, I'd go Brentford. I, I, think, I was thinking about it the other day. Swansea have quite a good squad on paper. They're missing a striker, but if you go around their team, player for player, it's a very solid side. But um, yeah, I'd, I would probably say Brentford. Forest... Probably about third, fourth, around there somewhere. Um, mm. Stoke Gaffer on Twitter asks, "Which clubs do you expect to be the most consistent over the season?" An interesting question because I think he's basically asking, "Who do we think is going to win the league?" Because well, consistency usually results in results. So yeah,
0: I mean, you can flip it on his head, and consistently, you'd expect Wickham to be consistently poor. Yeah, for example, that's true. Um, you know, there there are teams that are going to be down there that are going to be consistent, but at the other end of the league, consistency wins you wins you promotion essentially. And I think you know the likes of Reading, for example, have been consistent in the early <laughs> stages. Um, it's really hard to to say. I think that the the team with the the biggest squad, or say the the team with the most depth, strength in depth in 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 all areas, not just certain areas, in in all areas, tend to be the best. So you likes of Brentford um I mean Bournemouth look a bit bit light in in areas but you know Watford um again I've got a good squad coming back and so have Norwich so those are the teams that have the most strength in depth in in, in all areas um but it's it's really hard to say <laughs> at this stage yeah but
1: I'm pretty much the same as you really you can't really make a claim for who's going to be the most consistent side over the season apart from Wickham because as I say As I said on Sunday's episode, I'm not sure they're going to win a game this season. Alistair says, love the podcast, guys, even though Ryan pissed me off last week. But what is the best season there has been in the championship? Alistair's a Reading fan. Alistair, I apologise for pissing you off, but thank you for enjoying the podcast. Justin, the best season there has been in the championship?
0: Oh, um, I'm trying to think. The, um, The season I mentioned earlier, actually... You know when Brighton, Borough and Newcastle were all sort of going into a three-horse race. Want I think Newcastle Burnley? were actually... Was
1: it, wasn't it Burnley?
0: Mm, no, it's because um, Borough pipped Brighton on the last day. Because Brighton, I think, drew. Right. It was Burnley, you're right, it was Burnley. Yeah, Burnley I was going to say, because I thought yeah, Newcastle
1: yeah, yeah. smashed it.
0: Yeah, Newcastle was a season after. Um, but no, yeah, um, Burnley won the league... And it was Borough Brighton going into the last sort of, um, few games. That, that, that was a good season, but uh, I'm trying to think here. i tell you what, yeah. last
1: season wasn't a bad season. I, it was kind of tainted by the big three or four month gap in between it. But <laughs> in terms of the final day, the final day was mental. No,
0: for drama, absolutely. Um, and there, there
1: was plenty s- of drama during the season as well, though, wasn't there?
0: like Leeds and West Brom both
1: dropping off and then making the automatic promotion race interesting Brentford coming out of nowhere Fulham nearly getting promoted on the last day as well so Mm. I think last season's got a good case for being the best championship season it's quite hard to really judge isn't it?
0: Yeah there aren't many that stick out I think again I'm going back to the 1450 season where Derby were top at one point and they capitulated and fell down and Bournemouth (laughs) ended up winning the league I think um, there, there are so many good seasons, especially over the last 10 years, that really stick out. Um, I think best era, the last 10 years have probably been the best best years, just to sort of counter that question.
1: In terms of quality as well, because going back yeah. to what we were saying earlier, with the Premier League just getting stronger and stronger, it means good players aren't getting a chance in the Premier League, so they're having to drop down to the Championship, so... That's one positive side of it, I suppose. Uh, Sorry, Alistair, for not really answering your question. Paisley 18 on Instagram asks, Should EFL chairman Rick Parry resign?
0: Um, That's a hard question. Mainly because I don't think the issues that have come out are because of Rick Parry. Rick Parry's only been in the last year, and he's basically had the mess that... um, what was the previous chap I can't remember. something harvey Simon Simon harvey something like that, that sounds um, right. basically basically the mess that he left it was the you know the it was the mess that he left, and he's sort of fighting fires almost every week. There are a lot of issues with the e f l and I don't think the the issue I don't think Rick parry's one of them. I think there are a lot of things that he needs to improve, but effectively one of the issues with the e f l is, is it's self governed so you know every, all the clubs vote for the rules. Mm. That's one of the main issues. It's slightly different with the Premier League, so I think that's where one of the hurdles comes comes with in terms of getting salary caps in, or things like that.
1: I think I don't think he should resign. I don't think he's had a particularly glimmering start. The the Wigan thing just stands out in my head whenever, whenever whenever I think of how the EFL has done recently. But at the end of the day, I think with the coronavirus pandemic, the EFL's actually done a, a decent job, which you won't hear too many people actually say because mm-hmm. the, the fashionable thing is to just shit on the EFL all the time. But I, I think with the coronavirus pandemic, they've done a, as good a job as they could have in difficult circumstances. Um, it's just the the, the ownership thing. That just constantly dogs the AFL with yeah. how good a job they're actually doing because it's a farce, an absolute farce. Uh, Dave asks, best championship game you have seen?
0: <laughs> um, I mean, I've had the pleasure of seeing quite a few. Obviously, being a season ticket holder at Derby, been you know, I've managed to see quite a few. I think um, I go back to the 2012 uh, 13 season, mm. the semi final for you know it was Watford versus uh Leicester and obviously that 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 last that last minute drama with Almunia saving the penalty and um okay, well, we we all know the incident Justin that's
1: that's yeah, such a basic okay. answer come on now.
0: right i I'll, I'll, I'll go i'll go back to the 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 Cardiff Blackpool game the playoff final which was ridiculous that was a good game that was the best first half of football i've seen the second half didn't there was no goals but the best first half of football, certainly. That was, you know, it was three two, and then that was it.
1: <laughs> I suppose you didn't say Derby leads from a couple of seasons. Ago. I, I don't. I
0: don't want to. It's an easy answer going with a derby, uh, a derby one. I don't think anyone would have flinched you. Because again, um, when Nigel Clough was sacked, Derby were four one down to Ipswich at one point, and then they pulled it back to four four. That was one of the best games I've seen because it's just ridiculous.
1: Do you remember when uh, was it Forest and Millbrook? No, it Forest and Villa. They, they played out five five, didn't they?
0: Yeah, but it was on a bloody Tuesday night.
1: It was on a Tuesday night. It wasn't on telly, but I remember watching that game back, and that was some of the worst defending I've seen in a game. It was spectacular to watch. Who is the most underrated player in the league, Kieran asks?
0: Ooh, um, It's your workhorse type players, isn't it? Your water carriers. Can I go first?
1: Go on, then. It's someone I go on about quite a lot when I, when you talk about most underrated player in the league, Matt Grimes for me at Swansea. He is the complete midfielder. I love Matt Grimes so much. I think he is someone who should be playing in the Premier League, quite frankly, and it's a bit of a crime that he isn't, and he's not, isn't getting <laughs> talked about more because he is, spe- he's such a good player, works his arse off, superb passer for me, definitely the most underrated player in the league.
0: I think statistically he can back it up as well because he, he had the most key can. passes last season, didn't he? From a deep-line midfielder, that's ridiculous. Um, I, I, did, I did always think he'd be... He's like a Barry Bannon type player, which is a weird reference, but he sits back deep and dictates play. I know and he's mean. perfect for that Swansea team. Um, but for me, most underrated player, um, I think if I'm going off this season, certainly players like Michael Morrison for Reading, he's been fantastic. Uh, Bradley Johnson, obviously, he's now getting the plaudits. Team, yeah, I like players that go under the radar, and certainly defenders and defensive midfielders sort of fit that fit that category. But if I'm going to edge towards someone this season, it's going to be Michael Morrison. Fair enough. Which
1: team has surprised you most so far this season? This is from Bennett.
0: <laughs> Do you want to answer that?
1: I was going to say Luton.
0: All oh, right, I thought you might say Reading.
1: Oh no, no, L- Luton for me definitely, have. because in terms of. Uh, how they've done so far this season. Obviously, I think they've lost one and one and drawn
0: all the others, whatever.
1: Um, they have looked really, really good. And the performances have backed it up as well. I think I saw a stat earlier that when you take penalties out of the equation, they've had the most big chances from open play, according to InfoGoal. They've been sensational under Nathan Jones. And many of their fans were expecting them to be fighting relegation this season. It still might be the case as the season goes on, but Luton have been superb so far and they've got a squad pretty much made up of unfashionable players at the end of the day. I don't think anyone will disagree with me when I say that. Nathan Jones has done a superb job again and this start has really surprised me with how they were going. If you told me after four games Luton would be sitting in the playoff places, I think they are anyway. I'd have been like, alright mate. But mm-hmm. well, here we are. And Nathan Jones has really pulled up trees once again. Are you going to go red in as your big surprise so far?
0: Um potentially. They they're a team that I didn't expect to pick up form so quick. They're, defensively they've been ridiculously good, I think. Um I think that's something you ignored last week in your in your little rant. Um but if I'm going to edge no, toward a team. <laughs> I said defensively <laughs> anyway, they have been all good. Right? All right. Relax, relax, Ryan, relax. Stop. You'll get the haters 'm on my back I'm, again. <laughs> I'm not coming after you. But I'll certainly get Reading fans to come after you. Um I I think the team that surprised me is probably Bristol City. I think I didn't expect Dean Holden to be able to get this team going um so quickly. He had pretty good form um last season, but obviously Bristol City now they're topping the table. Um going forward they look very efficient. You know, Chris Martin's a player who you know I love. Um, and his his link up play with Naki Wells is brilliant. Andy Weiman's playing central midfield. What? Um but he looks he looks, you know you know Bristol City essentially have three fours on the pitch when he's playing centre mid. Um and defensively they look they look good and he's getting academy products in such as Zach Viner and, and obviously Taylor Moore's back in there after being out on loan. Um so certainly Bristol City and on the other end of the spectrum I think Preston have surprised me because they've been pretty poor defensively um as well as going forward. And consider the
1: other end of the spectrum. I suppose Forrest will be on there. Derby as well, yeah. actually. I, I think Forest maybe not as much because we. I did say early on before the season started that I was worried there might be still be a hangover. Derby, I didn't expect to start as badly as they have done. They've mm. been terrible. Um, Stevie asks, which team would win the championship if fouls weren't a thing? Not something I have ever thought about in my life. But now that he's put the question out there... I am considering it. I would probably say... You'd say someone who's a bit of a shithouse. A shithouse team, wouldn't you? Someone like well, a Millwall, Cardiff,
0: Forest. One of those you You'd three. say any team with Ben Pearson in it. No matter fair who point. he plays for. If, he, if fouls weren't a thing, Ben Pearson will... Kill someone. Break legs. He'll, <laughs> yeah, he would kill someone to win a game. And, you know, that's a Neil Warnock. Actually, you know, any team managed by Neil Warnock.
1: Fair point. Also a very fair point. You're, you're looking at one of those teams, aren't you? You're not looking like... For someone who's a nice football kind of side, like a Bournemouth, for example, you're thinking yeah. someone who's made up of, of big, massive shithouse players. It's,
0: it's do the dirty work, isn't it? Those sorts of teams smash that them around, enjoy it. Yeah, prison they, they rules. Thrive. They, yeah, they thrive on it. You know, I think it was last week. You saw, um, I saw a tweet from uh, the Millwall game. Um, someone, a player was writhing around on the floor, and the Millwall players were like just berating him while he was riding around on the floor. And the only reason why you could hear it is because obviously there's no fans in the ground. Um, But teams like that, that enjoy doing nasty things, mean things, mean teams. I'm all for that. Final question is from Tony. He asks,
1: how do dragons blow out candles? Any thoughts, Justin?
0: Um, That's very philosophical. I suppose they don't
1: really, do they? If anything, they destroy the whole cake.
0: Mm, Perhaps they have like a reverse candle. So they they start with the candles unlit. That's a good point. And then they light happens, the candles.
1: What happens when a dragon blows, when when it sucks in air? Well, nothing. Oh, that must be how they must blow out the candles.
0: I, I don't know, because, because they're mythical creatures and there's not a lot of science behind it. That is true. I, I imagine you have to, you have to read some uh, Game of Thrones wiki to sort of really get your head around it, I think. Will that be on there, do you think? 100% definitely will be on cool. there.
1: I'll have a look later and uh, update you on <laughs> next week's episode. Right, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. A bit of a and a kind of news episode to fill your international break. It's gone on a lot longer than I was expecting, but here we are. Um, well, thank you for listening, as always. Uh, just before we go, it's Who Knows Wins next week again. That's the segment of the show where we basically... Try to win you some money. All you've got to do is guess six results from the championship. Download the Who Knows Wins app to join our league. It's next Saturday. And as I say, all you've got to do is uh, guess six results and you'll win a bit of cash uh, just in 150 quid last week if you won the jackpot you could have won 200 quid if we get more people in more money is up for grabs so make sure you get involved a link to our league is in the description and the final thing that i just wanted to say it's not something we say very often justin it's try and help us out a bit if you could uh, review the show then we'd really appreciate it so go on apple podcast leave us a star rating a review saying whether you enjoy us even if you don't like us, I suppose it no. helps you out. No, no, it doesn't help us out. Don't it do that. No, please don't do that. <laughs> um, also, tell your friends about us. Maybe quote, tweet our new episode saying, oh, I'll give these guys a listen. Anything like that. It helps us out a lot. I don't ask you guys to do this very often. It's because I, I hate it when podcasts do it. It really annoys me. But yeah, I think if we do it every so often, then we can get it across how much it helps us. So thank you if you do help us. Are you going to say thank you, Justin? No. Cool. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilkes. Happy to speech. Thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.